When James Ben launched his Billy Boyle World War II crime novel series in 2007, Lee Child raved, quote, this book has got it all, an instant classic. Since then, Ben has maintained the high quality of the series through 16 novels. Through his role as a military investigator, Billy has traveled the world investigating crimes within the armed forces. The newest book, Road of Bones, is set on a Ukrainian base where two intelligence agents have been murdered. Publishers Weekly gave the book a starred review, which said, quote, this entry will leave fans eager for the next installment. So happy to have you on the podcast, James. Oh, thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been a fan of yours for so long. And, and I guess the first question I wanted to ask you was, what made you decide to start a, a crime novel series set during World War II? Well, you know, the, there's really two levels of answer to that. And, and one is uh, kind of calculating. I knew I wanted to start writing, and how I got to that is a whole other story. But I actually did some, re some business research, which is a little unlike me. I didn't just jump in without thinking. And yeah. um, I found that at the time, the fastest growing genre in publishing was historical mysteries. Ah. And I had been a little oblivious to historical mysteries. Uh, you know, I had noticed every now and then you see one set in ancient Egypt or during the Civil War. Um, but uh, that was very popular at the time I started writing, and still are. So I thought, aha, that's uh, a niche I could fill. So I did, in a sense, tailor the approach of, of the characters in the first book to be able to take advantage of that. Right. But the flip side of that is I just have always been fascinated by World War II. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, everybody uh, on my street, all, all the other kids, their dads were uh, in the war one way or the other, except for one kid whose dad was a judge. In that regard, he was always looked down on. The one dad did go off to war. Right. Um, so that's always sort of been uh, in my mind as something that uh, fascinated me. And then when I thought, well, maybe... I could just really do something with that. Uh, that's when the whole notion of this series uh, gelled for me. And how did you get from that, the idea of this Boston guy, you know, with connections to Ike being your protagonist? Well, I'll tell you, you know, one, first of all, one thing about writers that I've found that's true with me is that we tend to squirrel away little bits of information or images or feelings and one thing that I scrolled away was when I went to the movies in 1972 on the day that The Godfather premiered. Yes. Uh, and I remember sitting in the theater and watching that opening scene, the garden party, Sonny's yes. wedding. Yes. And Michael Corleone is there in his Marine Corps captain's uniform with the Navy Cross second highest uh, award you can get. And um, he was ignored. He was the white sheep in a family of black sheep. And I thought in any other family in August of 1945, he would have been the center of attention. And how interesting is it that this is a family whose values are elsewhere and they look askance at the government and doing anything but standing together as a family. So I didn't do anything with that for 30 years. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. the time came, I thought, okay, 
Uh, the mafia has been done, but what about the Irish, the Boston Irish? And that's a bit of my background as well. Uh-huh. So I, I thought, wouldn't it have been interesting if Sonny was the one that went off to war and had to go in the army and, right. and deal with all that? And so I just m- kind of manipulated that scenario uh, and made Billy Boyle uh, in the first few books a, kind of a shallow character who doesn't really want to be where he's found himself, but the yeah. family connections gets there. And that was how he came to be. I like that inward-looking ethnicity uh, that caused the Boyles, like the Corleones, to look uh, with distrust at, at the government and everything that's going on around them. Uh, because the Boyles, uh, being good Irish Republicans, they don't want anything to do with this war yeah. for the British, you know, in their view. So it's all due to um, that, that wedding party scene, which is just terrific. It is terrific. You know, but Ryan and I were talking actually earlier today about the fact that, you know, we grew up with veterans all around us. My dad is in South Pacific. You know, I I grew up watching Victory at Sea and every Mm -hmm. kind of World War II show that was on television. So I was steeped in it. And yet, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're facing a time where the, the veterans of the war are vanishing. My dad has been gone for 20 years, you know, and people mm-hmm. are, are aging out and we're getting on in years as far as carrying these tales with us. I mean, do, do you see the books as a way of really connecting younger readers to this incredible period in our history? Uh, yeah. I, I look at it as a way of keeping those stories alive and trying to make them personal. I, I think one of the things that, the character of Billy Boyle can do is to draw in people who have had experiences, uh, sometimes based on people I know and other times based on research, and make their experiences come alive. You know, reviews are great, sales are wonderful, but it's really special when somebody can offer me a story based on their relative, and I can put that in the book, and it serves to keep that person alive, you know, they may have passed. So that's a real rewarding part of this. And every book has a real life story in there somewhere, if not several of them. Yeah, that's clear when you read the books. And, you know, one of the things as the series has progressed and Billy has been our surrogate going really all over mm-hmm. the world. I mean, I remember the novel South Pacific where we met JFK as a mm-hmm. yeah. leader of PT-109. So, I mean, you know, a lot of series are set in one city or one state. By taking on this task of sending Billy around the world in each book, I mean, the research before you sit down to construct the story must be considerable. It is. One of the downsides, is that's a fair way to say it, is I, I do spend so much time reading nonfiction that I am not all that well-read in fiction anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. because this just takes priority. Uh, of course. When, you know, I have to submit these a year ahead of time. They always come out in September. So right around this time of year, I'm just about to start writing the next one. I have finished up the one for 2022, doing publicity for this one. So yeah. my mind is usually a swirl of, of facts and, uh, <laughs> and historical situations. I kind of have to remind myself where we are sometimes. Right, um, right. I, I'm always looking for that um, that really kind of unknown, fascinating side story uh, that might make the next book come alive. 
Yeah, I mean, in this one, the territory of the base in the Ukraine, you know, mm-hmm. and meeting sort of divisions within the Soviet intelligence, the Soviet yeah. troops. I mean, this is so eye-opening about that part of World War II, which we, we don't often see in films and TV shows. No, no. It, it has to be said that the Soviets incurred massive amounts of losses. They really took the brunt of the fighting throughout the whole war. Yeah. We obviously tell the story from our perspective. That was one of the difficulties in writing this was that I was so overwhelmed with the duplicity and, of the regime, the yeah. uh, evil nature of the system uh, that they lived under, that I had to really make myself carve out a place for the common soldier. Right. Fighting man and, and woman uh, from Russia and, and what they sacrificed and what they did, because that was heartfelt. They were defending their country, uh, sure. even though it was in the service of a, a, a horrible regime. So I had to keep saying, well, let's go back. Let, let's look at these, these folks as people. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you talk about the, the personal side of the war, too, I mean, so many of the World War II stories, you know, are about the combat. And I mean, your books remind us that within this massive part of our history and all of these millions of people fighting in a war, that there are the crimes that they would be involved with back home. You know what I mean? The crime mm-hmm. doesn't go away just because we're at war. I mean, that, right. that's, that's a fascinating aspect that Billy sort of illuminates for us. Right. And I think one thing that heightens the, the stakes here is that murder in wartime is uh, almost a, a worse crime than murder in peacetime because so many people are being killed. An additional death is all that much more horrible because maybe they could have survived the war itself. And that always, I think, is is driving Billy uh, to investigate these crimes. The other thing I'm I'm interested in is, is, you know, you're now, this is the 16th book, the new book, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've taken us through so much of the war. Do do you have like an end game? Do you have an end novel in, in mind of when the war is over and Billy... I guess, returns to Boston? Well, I, I'm unsure of that. I, here's what I do know, that I plan to write a short story titled The Death of Billy Boyle. Uh-huh. And it would be post-war, maybe well post-war, but yeah. I, I kind of want to put a coda to this, and I don't know when I would release that. Right. Um, but I do see that, you know, I haven't had a shortage of ideas yet. I have yeah. kind of slowed the timeline on. Yeah. In the early books, I was always very precise. You know, this is February 13th, 1943. Yeah. Yeah. And now these books, as fall, you know, 1944. Uh, so I'm cramming a lot in. The the book that's coming out next year uh, has to do, uh, involves the uh, Japanese 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which was the NISAs, the Japanese-Americans who were recruited out of the uh, concentration camps after they had been, quote-unquote, relocated from the West Coast. They became the most highly decorated unit in the American Army uh, and suffered a lot of discrimination along the way. So they're a crucial part of, of the next book. And there's just so many opportunities. Sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm a vulture. I'm searching through history for something really grotesque that I can exploit yes. and yes. tell a story. And every yes. now and then I say, well, wait a minute. And I go, this is great. But no, that was horrible. <laughs> so uh, the next book after that, um, I'm going a little Agatha Christie. It's called, uh, I'm just going to be starting to write this in a few weeks, uh, Murder at Seton Manor. 
Okay. So everybody gets to leave. Everybody gets to go back to Eaton Manor, uh, the uh, uh, English estate of Billy's, yes. uh, the, the father of Billy's uh, true love, Diana, uh, for a little rest, but they won't find it. Something horrible will happen there. Um, and there are some historical bits that we're going to explore uh, there as well. So there's always something uh, to look at. And, uh, so that's your book, your book you're working on now that would come out two years from now. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the one for next year is titled Shadows. The word shadows comes from, I don't know if you're familiar with the Leonard Cohen song, The Partisan. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Well, you know, I've always loved that song, and I guess I assumed it it was written by Leonard Cohen, but he made it famous. It really was written under the auspices of the French government in exile during World War II, and they broadcast it over Radio London, and it was a morale booster for the, the resistance, so much so that people would whistle it walking down the street is kind of wow. a little signal as to their sympathies. If you look at the lyrics, they're very haunting. So also part of that book is about the aftermath of the French resistance and some of the bitterness and infighting that went on there. There's all these little corners of the war uh, where people, after the war swept over them, were left to try to put their lives back together. And that's the subject matter of the resistance in, in this upcoming book. Not their actual fighting, but what it was like to try to go back to um, real life uh, yeah. and how some of them just couldn't do it. And that's really the, the meaning in that song. Uh, it ends with men will come from the shadows, but it's really about that they've never left the shadows, that they're never able to. And that just struck me as, as terrifically haunting. Yeah, there's a great, I don't know if you've seen it, there's a great French film from the 60s by Jean-Pierre Melville called Army of Shadows, which is oh, all yes, about, yeah. the, I think Absolutely. it's one of the best accounts of that whole period and the resistance. Yeah. So it fascinates me that like French filmmaking is full of various studies of the resistance. You know, we were yeah. lucky here in this country that we didn't have that sort of split, you know, in right. loyalties and right. stuff. So it sounds like then that there is no, near end in sight for this series that you're you're still going ahead full steam uh yeah there's, there's a fair amount of war left and I, I i will say for certain billy will have to stay post-war uh because i want to make a trip to prague and berlin and uh, vienna and uh, so uh, uh and uh, there's a i don't know if you'll recall there was a character in us uh, now the titles are running together there was a, a an adversary who got away Yes, and truly yes, yes. sociopath, um, yes. Flint, Amos Flint. I still get people writing me saying, well, when's Amos Flint going to reappear? <laughs> so uh, we have a subject there for a post-war hunt. I've been fascinated by the fact that Interpol, the famous international police agency, during the war was headquartered in Berlin and run by the wow. Gestapo, but it still had certain international police functions. So, um, you know, and the, on Netflix now, there's that series, The Defeated, about the yeah. Germans rebuilding their police force. So I, I can see in a post-war need for Billy to stay, uh, to hunt down Amos Flint, so he will be coming back at some point. Um, yeah. And then, then who knows? There's just, uh, and I've also been, um, if I may interject, uh, sure. A, a new book, a new book coming out um, in a couple of weeks. Uh, a book titled Shard is coming out, and uh, it's about. Uh, I don't think it's going to be part of a series. It's a standalone uh-huh. about the experiences of a um, a Korean War POW uh, oh, and what it was like 
to uh, exist in the North Korean and later the Chinese camps. Uh, uh-huh. And what what our government did to those guys when they returned. That's an incredible story there. So Shard is that title. So hopefully and that'll be, be out in a few weeks from today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, and there'll be a, a flurry of activity on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know, you mentioned the Netflix series, and one of the things Ryan and I deal with in this podcast, you know, is the connection between uh, books and movie and television. I mean, has Billy Boyle, I mean, have you gotten nibbles? What's the status of somebody coming in and saying, I want to make some kind of dramatization of this character in these stories? You know, it started off even before the first book was published. It was contacted by Leonard DiCaprio's production company. Oh, cool. seen the announcement in Publishers Lunch. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, I, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and, and the message came back uh, in a few months. When Mr. DiCaprio uh, decided to look for something darker. Ooh. And I, I wanted to write back. Well, I, I can write darker. Then he came out with The Departed a few years later. Yes. Okay, that was darker. Yes. And there have been, every year or so, some producer contacts us, and I get all excited. Yes. Right when the pandemic started, we had put together a one-year deal with a producer to have exclusive rights to try to sell it to other producers. Yeah. Um, of course, that was when everything shut down, so nothing came yeah. of that. And I'm reminded about a quote from Pauline Kael, who said, in Hollywood, you could die from encouragement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think that's a great quote. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't get excited anymore. I you know, let things work out. But I will say currently working with uh, and nothing signed and delivered so i won't name any names but yeah yeah uh, british production company they're interested in doing a short film based on a billy boyle universe short story it hasn't appeared yet it's going to uh-huh. appear in the may 2020 issue of alfred hitchcock magazine Boy. and uh it's called the refusal camp and it's the story of diana and angelica in ravensbrook so if people are reading the books, they know that uh, yes. has a sister, Angelica, and Diana Seaton were uh, imprisoned in the Nazi concentration camp for women. And it tells the story of their time there. Uh, and also manages to be a murder mystery uh, wow. within the concentration camp. And uh, this actress who has produced short films, and I have to say she's the spitting image of my vision of Diana, uh, is interested in doing a short film based on refusal camp as kind of a proof of concept. So we're just in the beginning stages of working on that. And, you know, who knows? Yeah, it, it does seem, James, that now that we're in this streaming environment, you know, there was a time where really your only chances were a movie being made, you know, but now mm-hmm. it seems yeah. like the streaming has just, you know, I know this Bridgerton series is based on a romance novels by Julia right. Quinn, you know, and, and that's been around for a while. So you never know when suddenly some actor, producer, director is going to find this material and say, I want to do a, a nine part thing about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, what I've learned about production companies in Europe, historicals are not quite as challenging because they got all these old buildings all over the place. Right. The, the setting is not, I mean, it is a challenge. You know, we explore the idea of movies and, and books. And, and one of the mm-hmm. questions I want to ask you, it seems sort of obvious, is in the area of movies and TV that have been done about World War II, what are some of your favorites? Oh, wow. Um, a lot of people would answer uh, 
Saving Private Ryan. And yeah, I would say the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan were groundbreaking, were truth-telling. It was a yeah. truth-telling 20 minutes, and then the rest of it was a soap opera. Yeah. Um, so I can't quite say that. Um, and I, I do rewatch often the classic, you know, The Longest Day, that sort of yeah. thing, The Battle of yeah. Britain. But my absolute favorite World War II movie is Kelly's Heroes. Wow. That is, I, I love is, that movie. It is fantastic. I mean, think about the cast. Yeah. And a lot of their equipment was real World War II era stuff. Uh, uh-huh. And when they had to mock up something to look like it, they did a really good job of doing it. Uniforms, everything. Um, yes. And I always think, Joe, I always wonder at the end of that movie, all right, they're driving off on these tanks with all this gold. What happens next? Yes. That's what I want to know. Um, yes. So I, I, I've always had something to do with gold uh, rattling around in the background of my mind. But what a, just, I mean, those guys up there, they had a ball doing it, and um, yeah. I have fun watching it. Well, there are so many, you know. I mean, I think of things like The Great Escape, and I mean, it's mm-hmm. just an endless list of movies that I grew up watching that I still right. like, like to, you know, like The Longest Day. I've seen that many, many times. Yeah. I think it's. In many ways, I prefer to Saving Private Ryan because it doesn't devolve the way Private Ryan does into that sort of soap opera stuff. Yeah. Uh, Band of Brothers, uh, you have to give that series credit for revitalizing stories about World War II that are realistic and, and yeah. based on uh, unreal. The, the question we, we kind of wind down with generally is the idea of, are there a couple of books that have been made into films that you think are really top drawer examples of the, you know, the art of adaptation? Are, are there a few that would come to your mind, books of any kind, novels? Yeah, you know, I, I was an a English major at the University of Connecticut. I had a great course on early American literature. The class took place in a building overlooked the edge of the campus. It was in winter, it was cold. And reading about early colonial America, looking out over those, you know, wind-driven hills of yeah. Connecticut, uh, really was evocative. I still remember that. And I read The Last of the Mohicans and the film with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, that's a, boy, that's a great film. Again, phenomenal cast. Yeah, and tells the story in a, in a pretty truthful nature. And it's as true to the book as I remember the book, put it that way. Yeah, and, and it's superior to at least one of the earlier versions that I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a fabulous, fabulous movie. It, you know, it, it does seem that some books can be done successfully. You know, others are disappointments, you know, and there's that whole mm-hmm. theory that uh, the better the book, the harder it is to make into a movie. Yeah. And the great yeah. movies like Jaws and The Godfather, you could take liberties with the novel because people didn't think they were great works of literature. Right. You can talk about it endlessly. You know, one challenge, I think, for a book like mine, books that are told in the first person, is how do you translate the interior voice of the protagonist yes. into a film? I've seen that done in voiceovers, which I think are terrible, usually. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I don't quite know how to approach that, because that's filmmaking. It's not my thing. But um, yes. I think that that's a challenge. Yes. I think Apocalypse Now does it pretty well, but you're right. Narration tends to not be an effective device for a movie. Oh, that's right. No, I, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's the, the exception to the rule that works or, or whatever. Right, right. 
Now, you know, I think we've covered what I need to cover. I appreciate you taking this time, James. I'm happy to do it, Joe. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the new book set in the Korean War and also whatever you're going to give us next year. All right. I'll be glad to talk about it when the time comes. Thank you so much, James. You take it easy. You're welcome, Joe. Have a good weekend.